Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. You can feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com if you have any thoughts, questions, recommendations, anything. I'll get back to you as soon as I can, as long as it doesn't get trapped in the spam folder. You can like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. And it'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review wherever you get the podcast. So this is the week. Toronto Sketch Fest begins this Wednesday night with their film festival. Then... Live shows start Thursday, March 9th across three venues, with shows happening all the way through March 19th. Sketch acts from Vancouver, British Columbia to St. John's, Newfoundland, and Labrador, from Greensboro, North Carolina to Seattle, Washington. All the details are available at torontosketchfest.com. Today's guest is Elizabeth Hicks, currently a member of Moms Girls based out of St. John's, Newfoundland, and Labrador. Elizabeth and the rest of Moms Girls will be heading to Toronto this weekend for two shows. First, on Friday, March 10th at 7 p.m. with Birdie. Then Saturday, March 11th at 9 p.m. with Boy Girl Party Live. Both of those shows are at Comedy Bar, and tickets are available at torontosketchfest.com. Elizabeth's first sketch is called The New Age Guidance Counselor. Elizabeth plays Mr. Adams, the guidance counselor, and I play Bradley, the student. And I'll also give you all the visual information that you might need to know. So let's go to the sketch. Mr. Adams hums The Bridge of Toxic by Britney Spears. He's painting an egg cup. On his desk, there are several other funky egg cups. Three distinct things. One from his computer, one from his iPad, and one from his phone. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, another purchase on my Etsy shop. He picks up his iPad. An order has just been placed from Japan. I should check my sales stats for today. <laughs> Holy cow, I'm really making this work. Another ding. Ah, oh my God, another one from Montreal. He counts the egg cups on his desk. Holy cow, this is blowing up. I'm going to need more egg cups. I should call Dollarama and see if they can get another shipment in. Maybe I need to look into getting an assistant. A knock-knock. Hey, Mr. Adams, are you busy? Of course not, buddy. Come on in. He pushes the egg cups to the side to make room on the desk in front of him. Thanks. You sure I'm not interrupting anything? Nothing is more important than my students. What's troubling you, pal? Don't think you've ever come to see me in here before. I know, it's just that grade 12 is happening so fast, I'm starting to realize that I need to make some decisions. About what? Well, my career and stuff, I guess. Oh, yes. Let me pull up your transcript. Let's see. Excellent marks. Should have known. Wow, Bradley, you're going to have a lot of options. See, that's kind of the problem, Mr. Adams. I spent my whole life trying really hard to get top marks. I'm student council president. I'm on three sports teams. I'm a certified lifeguard, and the breakfast program every morning. Whoa there, Prince Charming. I don't know what to do. My parents expect so much from me, and I feel like I'll never be able to decide where to go or who to be. So I was thinking about doing a general year first at... A general year? You are young, smart, talented, handsome. You are anything but general. What are your talents? What do you love to do? 
Well, I enjoy volunteering in the student council. Don't give me any of that bullshit. Come on. That stuff doesn't matter in the new age. I need the weird shit. The shit that will get you views, followers, purchases on your Etsy shop. My what? We can get into that later. First, your talents. Mr. Adams is typing everything Bradley says into his iPad. I'm big into sports. Hockey, mostly. What about esports, Brad? League of Legends, Dota 2, that's where the money's at. I'm actually Grandmaster rank in this competitive season of Overwatch, but I don't think that would matter. You ever watch Twitch? Yeah, I... Career option number one, right there. What else you got? Okay, well, I got an A in Mr. Stevens' architecture course last semester. He said I would make a great... Minecraft engineer. We need more unique talents here, Bradley. Let's go, let's go. I got voted best eyes and best hair in the yearbook last year. Yes, look at that silky mane and those baby blues. You could be an Instagram model. Done. What else? You know, this isn't the advice I was expecting, Mr. A. What else, Bradley? Tell me something else about you. Uh, I'm a good singer. Maybe I can get famous online for singing? No, 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 no. That's old news. Nobody cares about singers anymore. You need to do ASMR. Here, whisper into my ear. What? Do it. Whisper into my ear. My name is Bradley, and this is ASMR? Amazing. I love it. Anything else? I I guess the only other thing would be I'm really good at vape tricks. Oh, that is gold. Tell me more. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I need to know about these vaping tricks, Bradley. How am I supposed to help you in your career if you're not being open with me? I can blow two smoke rings through another smoke ring. Perfect. Okay, I'm setting up your YouTube channel now. No, no, wait a second. I came here for actual career advice. I think I'm interested in law. My dad's a lawyer, and he said I could get a junior position at his firm. Well, I could recommend a lot of different universities. That would be a great fit for you. That would be great, actually. But here's the thing, Bradley. Law school is fine, but times are changing, and they're changing quick. I know I might seem like an authority figure, but I'm not that much older than you. Aren't you like 45? I am 30. Oh, uh, sorry. I just thought with the hair piece and all. Anyway, I'm not that much older than you, and I know all about this stuff. I manage an extremely profitable online business myself. I've got a lot of insight into these innovative, technological, modern, current, contemporary career opportunities. These are the kind of jobs that are the future. Your parents can't even begin to understand the possibilities that lie out there in the world for you, Bradley. Don't listen to them. What about law school, though? Law school? Why in the hell would you waste your time getting a degree, working your ass off, applying for law school, getting rejected, getting an education degree, and then taking an unsatisfying job as a guidance counselor when you could be making a lot of money on YouTube? Did you know if you make your videos longer than 12 minutes, you'll get two advertisements and you'll make even more money? Look, Mr. Adams, I brought my application for Dahousie. I almost have it finished and I was hoping you could give it a look. Adams takes the application and throws it on the ground. And a look at it. Adams is furiously scribbling down a username and password on a piece of paper. 
He pulls a vape out of his drawer and places the paper and the vape in Bradley's hands. Here. This is your username and password for both the YouTube channel and your business Instagram account. Keep your personal account. You can make even more money if you have two Insta feeds going at the same time. But I... Bradley, you need to hurry before you miss your chance. In fact, I don't even think you should bother finishing grade 12. Times are moving and changing so fast, you've got to grab the bull by the horns. Okay, Mr. Adams, thanks. I, I guess. Are you going to be okay? Me? <laughs> I'm fine. Three dings. Another purchase on his Etsy shop. Bradley, I got another purchase on my Etsy shop. He jumps from his seat and, and starts frantically checking his phone, iPad, and computer. Colorado, six egg cups, specially personalized. Holy cow. He whips his head to look at Bradley. Bradley, I wish you all the luck in the world. You are young, intelligent, handsome. And we live in a world where opportunities are endless. You can be anything you want to be, do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. That's why I'm quitting this guidance counselor bullshit. What? You hear that, Principal Roberts? I quit! I'm gonna go follow my dreams and sell these egg cups on Etsy full-time because they are goddamn beautiful and I deserve to be happy. Adams grabs his iPad and phone and puts all of his egg cups in a shoebox. Good luck, Bradley. I know you'll be great. I've already got post notifications turned on for your feed. Oh, and if you could uh, share my Etsy page on Facebook... Thanks, buddy. Don't give up on your dreams. He gives Bradley a friendly punch in the arm and leaves. Bradley stares after him. He lays the vape that Mr. Adams gave him on the desk and picks up the Dalhousie application that Mr. Adams threw on the ground. I won't. And lights. Are you a fan of sketch comedy like Monty Python, Key and Peele, and Saturday Night Live? Have you ever wondered why their sketches are funny? Or maybe why that certain sketch didn't make you laugh? On the comedy podcast Sketch Nerds, we aim to answer those questions while having fun talking about the history and craft of sketch comedy. Every episode features a guest to help us break down our favorite sketches, as well as those submitted by listeners like you. So come nerd out with us and listen to Sketch Nerds at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. My name is Samantha Russell. I'm a sketch comedian, and I have a prop and costume hoarding problem. So I figured the best way to get it under control is to start a podcast. On Should I Keep This? I chat with other comedians about their experiences in comedy and our insane prop and costume collections. And on each episode, we both bring a beloved item to discuss whether it's a treasure or just trash. Sometimes it turns out no matter how much money or time we spent on a prop, the only thing we should be holding on to are the memories we've made along the way. So check out Should I Keep This? We have new episodes every two weeks available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me. Um, all right. So tell me about this uh, sketch, the, the New Age Guidance Counselor. Sounds like bad advice. Or good advice. I don't know. Maybe. Remains to be seen. I wrote this sketch in 2018 for a show called Almost Bamus 2. And uh, this was my last draft of it before it got passed off to somebody else to add jokes <laughs> so the version that ended up in the show uh was you know the bones of it were the same same characters but with uh you know sort of punchier lines 
mentioned that was like the first experience this is your first sketch how was that experience of writing something and then like handing it over to someone else I was grateful because I felt like I didn't know what I was doing and I knew that it wasn't all that funny and I didn't know how to make it funnier like at the time I felt like I had no concept of how to really write a joke like I knew that I could write dialogue like people talking to each other and like have it be sort of quirky or like funny situationally but like a setup and a punchline like I just really (laughs) I didn't know how to write it so when I handed it off to somebody else and it was better I was like this is awesome (laughs) how how much did it change like between the last draft and getting on stage do you reckon um it's a good question like I almost wish that I could find the other version of it um but I don't know I guess that wouldn't really be helpful I think it was a bit shorter and uh we had another sketch so that was the top of the show and we had another sketch that uh cut this one off so uh we had planted somebody in the audience who interrupted the sketch and it, it was because there was no real we couldn't find a good end to that sketch and we had already had this idea to have this like heckler and it was sort of a runner that he kept heckling in all of these really inappropriate situations uh and yeah the ending of the version we just read it's like quite sweet like it's not really it's like don't give up on your dreams yeah the, go i won't. Get tiger, and he picks up like... the university application and fills it out uh, uh, uh but they always say that like Figuring out how to end a sketch, a comedy sketch, is the hardest part of writing a comedy sketch. Like, mm-hmm. or at least it can be. Um, yeah, unless I guess the idea comes from the end, which I think happens sometimes too. So, what brought you to uh, trying out writing a sketch for something? Uh, well, I had met. Uh, my friend named Andrew Tremblett, who was the director of this show. Uh, and we kind of had mutual friends. And then he just asked me if I wanted to audition for this second version of this sketch comedy show that they were doing. Uh, and I had heard of the one that they'd done the year before, but I didn't really know anyone involved. And like, it sold out, like I didn't get a ticket sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had done... I guess quite a bit of acting before and I had just started playwriting and I I don't know like I just kind of went to the audition on a whim and I I like really put my all into it like I wrote this sketch about like Bell Let's Talk Day (laughs) and like wrote this song and like I don't know like I tried really hard I think that I wanted to be a part of it more than I even really realized uh and then, yeah, like it, it worked out. They wanted me to be in the show. And then I just learned how to write a sketch through meeting these new friends. And then afterwards, sort of investigating what actually, what it actually means to write a sketch. Like, uh, I mean, you mentioned, you know, being a performer and starting to work within like playwriting. Did you have any concept of what sketch comedy 
took to put on stage because i'm like i'm sure you like had heard of sketch comedy i like like it's not completely foreign a, a foreign concept to you but the difference of sketch comedy versus any other of those like theatrical pursuits like mm-hmm. did you have any bearing on what that's going to be for you yeah i think that i grew up like writing and doing skits with my friends and like making little videos and like I was really big into like YouTube sketch comedy I guess without really knowing like that it was sketch comedy and I had seen SNL that sort of thing but uh yeah like I'd definitely never been in a real sketch show before but the way that we made the show it was kind of like it was in a theater so it was sort of like a hybrid play it was a sketch comedy show but there was a lot of tech we had like a little bit of money which (laughs) afterwards have done a lot of sketch comedy with absolutely no money and that really makes a difference so it was sort of like a a hybrid of of theater and sketch uh so yeah I guess I I knew what I was getting into but it was just like um the most fun I think I had ever had in my life and just so freeing to be able to do something different in like as the minutes of the show pass by, you know? Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're going to pause here. Like, and you know, at that point in time, let's go back a little bit. Cause you mentioned, you know, watching SNL, watching YouTube comedy. What were you into growing up? What made you laugh? Well, like, what was your like comedy fandom growing up? Yeah. I feel like I don't have like a great answer for this because I don't think that I'm like a lifelong, uh, like comedy fan, you know, like I, my first answer is, like spongebob squarepants <laughs> like <laughs> really like i was really into spongebob and like could like recite episodes by heart and i think that i like continue that interest in like humor that's really uh like seems really pointless or like it's just really silly like i'm really drawn to that sort of thing i was also obsessed with weird al yeah like yeah. I would be like down in my parents like on the desktop computer in their little like study and just like watching Weird Al music videos <laughs> on repeat. Uh and yeah, and I think just like YouTube culture like of you know, I just remember being in junior high school I guess in like 2007 <laughs> and like Smosh and like I'm trying to think of other examples now, but like there were all of these like YouTube was just kind of starting to be a thing. And I feel like they were all sketches and they weren't necessarily branded like that, but uh, I think that's what it was. Yeah. That early, um, that first wave of like broadband access is, is wider than ever and video online. Like it doesn't take 15 minutes to load. Like it did in my high school years where it became easier and YouTube had made it easier for just to put up, material you know quick and easy you know there's no longer that that gatekeeper as people would say but like weird out okay i'm gonna stop weird out because i wasn't obsessed with them growing up and i don't remember why like what whim i had but like my first weird out experience was uh running with scissors and i just remember like in i guess it been like ninth or tenth grade in an english class my as we were working the teacher put on music and he had put on don mclean's uh american pie everyone starts singing along to it but i'm absent-mindedly singing the saga begins 
to the point where one of the dudes like, wait, what are you doing? I was like, oh, oh, oh my bad. Like, <laughs> so I, I, I think I grew up with a bunch of people that didn't think Weird Al was as cool as like all of my comedy friends thinks he is. Yeah, I knew all the words to that song before I had ever seen Star Wars. So there were a bunch of words in it that I uh, I was just kind of saying what they sounded like, like the names of all the places made up in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah all the details in that song me- meant nothing to me. Because I hadn't seen the movie for another few years after that, so. But I knew the song. I knew mm-hmm. what happened in the movie because of the song. Yeah. I, I don't need to see the movie because of the song. And I probably don't need to see the movie because the song is better than the movie. Yeah, it's like catchier than American Pie, I think. <laughs> I'll say that on the record. Uh, uh, the American Pie song's good, too. I'm saying the song's better than the movie. I, I'm mm-hmm. not going to say the song's better than the original. We can 50-50 that one. <laughs> we can agree to disagree. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah, okay, so you mentioned SNL, and I ask everybody, it's a question I've asked everybody and I will quiz people on it later, but like who would be your favorite SNL cast member? The first person that comes to my mind is Vanessa Bayer. Oh, I don't think anyone's ever mentioned her before. I love it. I'm a, I'm obsessed with her face. Uh, she just, she's so funny, so effortlessly. And I just like have this like, I really love you and I want to be you sort of crush on her, I guess. I find her to be so funny. I She had so many fun things. Like, don't, like and I feel like her time on the show, show was shorter than it needed to be, which mm-hmm. I, I, I believe was her decision. Um, So I guess that's fine. But like the fact that she in her last couple episodes brings out that, uh, weather reporter character that doesn't say words during update yeah. i was like you've been on the show for six years and you're <laughs> just bringing me this now like yeah. we could have had yeah. this longer than this like one of my favorite bits like ever is the totino's commercials yeah Anything which because when, my hungry like, guys before, yeah the week before we're recording this was the Super Bowl. So like those Totino's commercials like came back on the YouTube and like was constantly my algorithm of like, hey, remember <laughs> these? Watch these again, huh? Yeah. Another person I really like is Fred Armisen because I really appreciate a person who like plays a really strong supporting role. And mm-hmm. I feel like he did that a lot. And he always commits to everything no matter how big the role is. And then I'm just like, you're my favorite person because you're standing in the background, like just being an elf and not yeah. saying anything at all. And he was one of those characters, like actors on the show that like was totally cool with bringing the weird mm-hmm. with him. Like how many other people would dress up like a cat and interrupt his owner making out with a like, and just, that's all he would do, just be a cat for the entire thing. It's it's just so fun. He's fun too. Yeah, so absurd. 
Okay, so you mentioned like being a performer. Like, were you a theater kid growing up? Yeah, but not in a musical theater kind of way. Um, like, I have always really been into uh, just like straight plays. Like, yeah, I remember being like in the seventh grade and only eighth and ninth graders were allowed to be in the school play. And I like went up to the drama teacher and I like, pleaded my case like I felt like I needed to be in the play <laughs> and yeah for some reason I've just always been really drawn to it so I guess I'd say I was a theater kid but not in like a not the stereotype that we think of a theater kid immediately yeah I guess so like I don't I, I don't really know think, like musicals yeah. when we say theater kid I always immediately picture musical versus like drama do you remember what that mm -hmm. show was that you you know talked your way to try to talk your way into um, no, I don't. It wasn't that it was a particular show. It was that yeah, I just wanted just to be wanted, in the drama okay. club. So it wasn't like, mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, we're doing this. I got to do this. Like it was, yeah. oh, my gosh, we're doing this. Mm -hmm. I want to do like. Hopefully yeah, the inflection of my I, voice makes sense that, that those are two different things. Totally. Yeah. And <laughs> I think that uh, I, I really don't know a lot about uh, musical theater like I've only ever been in one musical and it was like an original musical that was part of like the rep for a, a season for mm -hmm. a theater company I was working for so I wasn't like hired to be in the musical uh, so like but I guess you know I think a lot of people that are really into musical theater uh, are more likely to maybe be like oh yeah like I really want to audition for cabaret or like mm -hmm. this year we're doing blank uh, but like yeah, straight theater is not really, uh, I guess, the same. And like, I'm really into new work and like play workshopping and that sort of thing. So yeah, sometimes people will ask me like, oh, well, what's your favorite play? And I find it really hard to answer that question because what I really love about it is like making new stuff and like stuff that like it's only been done once or something. So you're kind of in that like my favorite play is the next one kind of mode. Oh, I'm using that. That's such a great <laughs> answer. <laughs> um, okay, so if a little pretentious, maybe. <laughs> I I mean, if we're gonna talk about theater, like I was making the like I in one of the recent talks I had to, I kept saying theater, like mm -hmm. so. Uh, so what was it about the about drama more so that that really like pulled you in as a younger person? question and I to be honest I don't really know the answer beyond like it was just something that I'm really passionate ab about in a sort of unexplained way like I just have always really liked it uh that's not a good answer I'm trying to think <laughs> of a better one so it's been, like almost been like very much in like innate in you as long as you can remember yeah and I guess maybe uh I like attention <laughs> I'm trying to psychoanalyze myself here. Like, why do I like it so much? Uh, but I, I don't think it's as simple as that because I, and the reason why I love sketch so much is because I'm so into collaboration. And like, okay, I yeah. when I got more into playwriting and like even sketch writing, like I love writing for other people because one of my actual favorite like artistic things that I do is hearing things I wrote said by other people and then they interpret it differently and it's better than what i thought like i just find that magical let's talk about playwriting then because i mean as we tiptoe our way through your life to 
performer to playwriting to you know sketch writer performer because i have to imagine like i made the joke before that i wanted to be a screenwriter but that's 120 pages but sketch comedy is five pages and that's manageable like Mm -hmm. even though it is just as hard and as infuriating and difficult at times as you know writing a longer piece so what was it to like get you into playwriting was there a specific idea like oh wait i want to see this on stage can i write it myself or was like what pulled you in that direction i think acting in plays for most of my life i think i always had the idea that i wanted to write a play but i didn't know how to get started you know tale as old as time in that way uh and then I was doing my master's degree and there was an opportunity to do a playwriting course and uh, it was being taught by somebody I really admire, Robert Chafe. Uh He's a pretty well-known Canadian playwright. And uh, I was like, okay, I need to take this course. This is my chance. And kind of like you're saying sketches it feels more manageable. The pieces are more bite-sized. We wrote a scene every week in this playwriting class. And because it was homework, I had to do it. And then at the end of it, I had like, you know, a 70 page play that was somewhat coherent. So I kept working on it and I submitted it. So it was, you had to write a, a scene from the same thing every week. Yeah. It wasn't yeah, just the, write a scene and bring it in. It was act one, scene one, act two, like, you know, the like you're actually writing a progression of it. Okay. Yeah. You didn't have to write it in order, but you had to write a scene for your play. And then at the end of the semester, you had the chance to, you know, you could take things out or write more to make the piece finished. But yeah. That's interesting. In that class, like, was, as as you're doing this, was there, um, a conscious attempt of like mapping out the story of of your play before you get to the scenes of it or were you gonna write scenes and then cobble it together after the fact kind of yeah if I remember correctly we spent the first few weeks sort of just free writing you know like figuring out what it might be and you know maybe those scenes wouldn't end up in the play and then because we were meeting every week and it was sort of like a workshop process like everyone in the class we were all reading each other's scenes and then like we would give each other notes and so you kind of crafted your play as you're going and and maybe some people wrote outlines but I didn't I just Mm. went with it and Robert would kind of help you determine like okay well what scene needs to come next like if these are your characters like what what are you drawn to discover about them next write that for next week and then roughly like how long are the scenes that you're writing week to week seven to ten pages okay I'm very Mm -hmm. curious about this class now because I think it's a very interesting process of I mean first off it's it's great homework to me like I I might have eaten that up like compared to some of my other writing classes that I may have had in the past but like just to you know write the scene and we'll figure it out later is kind of an interesting Mm -hmm. approach as well for me with so with playwriting as you get to the point of 
you know, going to this almost famous show and, you know, writing for yourself, what were some of the, the, the tools that you used in the playwriting world that you thought were handy for your attempt at sketch comedy? I was in this playwriting class and doing almost famous two at the same time. Okay. So I was kind of learning about like who I was as a creative writer generally uh, all at once. And I think that that's why, you know, the sketch that we read. And if I look at the other sketches I tried to write for that show, like they, they kind of read more like scenes. Like I'm just sort of having people yeah. talking to each other. And then I would go to playwriting class and everyone's like cracking up laughing. <laughs> and, uh, and it's about, I guess, your expectations of, you know, if you expect something to be right. funny, it won't be the, as the funny. Humor, and, but in playwriting class, <laughs> the humor in, in an educational playwriting class versus a sketch comedy writer's room, the humor is going to hit differently for those people, for sure. Yeah. Totally. We'll use what you brought in as the example. Like, it seems that, like, you know, with that playwriting mindset in that class, you're, you know, looking for, like, the reality, the realism, uh, the real relationship between the two things. But, like, in a sketch comedy, like, context, as I'm reading this, and as I'm thinking about it, like, you my first thought would be like you really have to amp up that teacher like he's got to go zanier he's got to go crazier he's got to go more absurd more bizarre mm -hmm. because the student's kind of the one that's grounding the world so the other person has to be the like if the student is a quote-unquote straight man the teacher has to be the the wackadoo that we're having fun with mm -hmm. which is what ended up happening and i think that that note is a very good one and the other people in the sketch troupe applied it <laughs> better than <laughs> I could I think fortunately I've gotten a bit better but you should do it in my last sketch podcast so I can redeem myself you're not the only person that's pitched that before <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm sure I'm not and I do I do think about it once in a while to be like yeah let's do my latest sketch or my most recent sketch like one of these days I'll figure it out I think um, the stakes would be higher then. Yeah, because I think if if we did like a, a show like that, like I feel like we would really have to like dig deep and like really critique and like, hey, this this wasn't great. Like I've seen better, <laughs> and I and I feel also that I, I, there's a part of me that feels like I could only do that with like my friends here in Philadelphia that I've known and seen forever. Like, and then the audience of that just gets really super niche to like I don't know. Uh, we'll see. All right. So you're in the class, you're asked to audition and you get hired, we'll say for lack of a better word, or if that's the best word for it, for this almost being a show. This is your first attempt at like this form of comedy, because I'm sure you've tried comedy in plays before. But as we mentioned, the comedy in, in theater is different than the comedy in comedy. Mm -hmm. Um. so what was your experience with working with this new crew of people I think one of the things that continues to draw me to sketch comedy is this freedom to go really big like with writing but like I guess I'm speaking 
more so from the perspective of an actor like as an actor I got uh notes from like several different teachers or directors like we're gonna need you to tone it down like stop moving your face so much uh you're going from zero to a hundred and we're not seeing the journey in between but in sketch like people love that go straight to a hundred go go from zero like, to a hundred babe we love it you're yeah. moving your face so much we love it and so i had <laughs> kind of felt like i found my people and uh and that i had kind of found my thing to do because it was like all of my weaknesses and the other thing that i was doing were strengths in this other form it's interesting that you put it that way because i was going to ask like how does it feel to I mean, the fact that you put it as a weakness in one form, I was going to say, how did it feel to throw away all of the stuff that you might have picked up in your training and education beforehand for this new uh, discipline that you're working with sketch comedy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I feel like I didn't I didn't throw anything away. I only. Uh, I guess built on it or like took it in a new direction and like I don't have any formal training in acting like I, I've done classes but I don't like have a degree in acting or anything yeah. so uh I, I think I always sort of felt as an actor and I still do sometimes like I don't know what I'm doing I, I hope this is okay and I feel like in sketch like that's kind of a good thing too I don't know I don't really know how to de describe it the amount of sketch that I've done which you know isn't enough i'm not an actor at all like that's my least favorite part of it like is having to pretend to be an actor i'd rather just like be a silly billy for and like do a weird <laughs> monologue or something instead of like actually thinking or pretending that i'm acting yeah if, like I, I almost shudder to if someone's like oh you're you're, you're acting tonight was so great I was like no it wasn't like <laughs> i'm i'm a silly billy yeah <laughs> who me i'm a silly goose like what do you want from me <laughs> yeah i think that i i see doing sketch as acting um but like in a good way like i i think that it's like getting to act with the dial turned up all the way yeah and, and all and like of the people i've done sketch with are really good actors like they're good dramatic actors too so it's like kind of fun sometimes to like do things in a scene that like would never fly in a regular play someone would tell you to tone it down for sure but like this really dramatic scene where we're yelling at each other and like we kind of really mean it but because it's sketch it's like through the roof zany yeah i wonder like and it's been and it's been so long since I've like seen this movie, and I'm going to use a movie instead of the play version because I've seen the movie. But like the arguments and stuff in Cat on a Haunted Roof, if we played that with sketch comedy like rules versus what's happening mm -hmm. in the movie and the, and the you know stage production of it, like does Cat on a Hot Tin Roof get funnier mm -hmm. if we'd fully go for it as we would as like sketch comedians? Mm. You're exposing me as a fake theater okay. person because i've i haven't read it or seen it and <laughs> so like it, sorry. it's been almost 20 years since i have and you know i watched it in high school or whatever it was but like i just remember like huge argument scenes mm -hmm. that are supposed to be really like and i just like picture like oh let's let's ham that up let's let's see what's go on let's yeah someone needs to write that down and like 
do Tennessee Williams like word for word instead of just doing it in the style of Tennessee Williams. Let's let's sketch yeah. act up. Tennessee let's Williams. do it in funny hats or something. <laughs> let's have fake the beards other, and everything. Yeah. The other thing about it too is that sometimes like you know the rules of sketch aren't just hemming it up. It's like being in a really absurd situation and taking it so seriously. Yeah. And sometimes that's so funny, you know? I I think that's one of the things that, like, people joke about that, like, you know, sketch comedians and stand comedians and all this stuff. They have that notebook that they carry around and have ideas in it, and it just looks like a madman's journal. <laughs> yeah. Because we're writing, like, like uh, this time I was in a drugstore and a dude came in in a bathrobe and slippers to buy condoms. And it was, like, the... Like I like I want to be like, is everyone else seeing this right now? Like, excuse me, sir. Can what I is take happening? a picture of you for my madman's journal? Can I have proof that this is real? Like, by the way, that is a sketch I'm writing. No one steal it. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so okay. So almost famous. You're involved. There's a cast of people. How do we get from your involvement in almost famous to what you're working with now with Mom's Girls? Yeah, so Steph and I uh, were hired to be in that show. Uh, we were friends beforehand, but we didn't know anybody else really that was involved. Like they're a couple of years older than us, and uh, yeah, like I had only really moved to St. John's a couple of years before. Um, so you know, we became really good friends with the people, the guys that were in that show, uh, Andrew and Evan and Stuart and Zach and Step. And they were friends with Allison. So I sort of met Allison through them. And then in the fall of that same year in 2018, Steph and I, we kind of, we wanted to do like a two woman show. Like I can't, we had just been tossing around the idea that we were going to like write a show for us to do or something. And then we were like, Oh, it'd be really fun. Like if we did an all female sketch comedy show, like then we could be friends with Alison Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, okay, well, if we're going to ask Alison, like maybe we should get like one other person to like make it, you know, have a few, another person to round it out. And I had seen Andy Bullman do stand up comedy uh, several times thought that she was so funny and but I I didn't really know her but I was like I think that we should just ask Andy Bowman if she wants to be part of this one show and so that's what we did and we asked Allison and they both said yes like within like an hour of us messaging them and then we got together to write the show and like the guys that we had done almost famous with helped write the show and they kind of helped us put it together and then we rehearsed it for two weeks, like every day, became best friends, did the show, and then we <laughs> couldn't ever be apart. <laughs> I think that's an always an interesting thing. Um, how you mentioned, I, I don't want to gloss over it, is like, and I think for the most part, from what I've talked to you, y'all do come from different theatrical worlds and performance worlds, but it's not necessarily the, not necessarily the same when you are the one who is de facto producer and mm -hmm. has to get the show on its feet. And you might have to be the one that books the venue for the first time. Like what was the experience of 
creating that first show? How is that different from any of your other past experience? Yeah, I think I'm trying to remember. I don't think that I had ever produced a show before that. My own life is so blurry in my memory. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that I think we were kind of like taking a risk in some ways. Like we had no idea if it was going to go over well. We lined up a couple of stand-ups to start the show because we were worried that we, it wasn't going to be enough content or it wasn't going to be funny or something. And so we like padded the show with other people we knew were funny, made sure that all of our friends came and, uh, and then it went over really well and it was all worth it. But yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of people don't realize the, the producing that goes on behind the scenes with sketch comedy, just because it's like, it's a really laborious activity even just in terms of like costumes and props and it's like messy sometimes and like the venues are never really great and you know it's a lot of work behind the scenes well you mentioned about venues what was that like for you switching from like actual theaters to the bars and whatever riser we can find in whatever room we can find as sketch comedians was that was there a difference in performing one place to the other for you? Yeah, well, I was kind of privileged to do my first sketch comedy show to be at this really great theater in St. John's. You know, like we had some money, like there was tech, like, it, you know, it it felt kind of professional. And like we sold out the theater, like 200 seats for like four shows and like I, like we kind of felt like rock stars like it was really yeah. like it was really great and then we did this uh christmas show that we planned in this like really small bar uh on george street some of your listeners might know it if they know anything about newfoundland <laughs> it's just this like street with a lot of bars and we got there and they were like oh no we don't have chairs <laughs> and so then we're like enlisting the help of everyone we know to borrow chairs from the other bars on the street i wasn't expecting they don't chairs have an to be the cord. <laughs> i swear to you and then we had to let everybody in for free because they had just been like trotting all over town finding chairs so we were like well we can't make them pay it was like it <laughs> such a mess in that way i wasn't (laughs) expecting chairs to be the issue there at all ox cord i totally understand that makes sense to me chairs yeah and like (laughs) we had uh andrew standing sort of on the side of the stage uh flicking the light switch because the light switch was basically on stage like there's no curtains or anything it's like it's a place for bands to play yeah so he's like standing off to the side like doing turning off the lights at the end of each sketch uh that's a good friend right there (laughs) i had to do that for a team in baltimore i had gone down for their festival at a venue in baltimore and they don't do blackouts they do brownouts because they don't have a lighting rig no so I had to be the dude, like I'm hitting a switch on a power strip to turn the lights off on and off between sketches. And I was like, this is way lower than what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. And I wish <laughs> I had known this coming in because I we could have adjusted. <laughs> like, like, yeah. uh, like I could have adapted to this if I had known beforehand. 
Yeah, there are so many sort of little technical things like that, that you almost don't realize are necessary. Like you need a blackout to tell the audience the sketch is over. The second year we did that Christmas show, the four of us, we went to a different venue because we wanted something like a little bit bigger um, and realized when we got there that there was no way to turn off the lights. So we were just going purely on music cue to let everyone know the sketch was over. And then we just walked off the stage. And, uh, you know, we remember that show sort of as our least favorite of these four Christmas shows we've done now over the past five years. Uh, and I think one of the reasons was that, that just like the venue was bad. We couldn't control the space. Yeah, You need at least that. But I do think that it, just, I guess, a final point about like doing sketch comedy in a theater, like I think sketch comedy usually belongs in a good bar space, like a bar with a stage, because there's something about a theater that is sort of formal and like then yeah. people have different expectations. And like, I like it when people uh, have low expectations and then we can surprise them. On one of the most recent, oh, that probably was like 10 years now that I think about it, like when Kids in the Hall did one of their reunion tours, you know, I saw them in a theater and it felt different than like they probably were used to playing the Rivoli in Toronto, like historically, like, mm -hmm. like it, it, it feels weird to see success comedy in a the theater sometimes. Yeah, I think it has the potential to feel stuffy uh, or at least less relaxed. Yeah, you have to, like, go for, I guess, black box at your biggest. <laughs> I feel like yeah. going to a bigger with, a high, like, a high ceiling, that kind of, like, it might not mm -hmm. be the best venue. But also, yeah, it would also help if you could turn off lights and... <laughs> yeah, you need to meet somewhere in the middle. We had t I had talked to Steph, and uh, they mentioned that, you know, Newfoundland didn't really shut down. As mm -hmm. much as other places did, because, you know, it, it, it is kind of secluded there on the East Coast. And, you know, you can lock your borders within the province and, okay, we'll, we'll ride this out just here. Mm -hmm. So I, I felt like y'all had a head start to do more comedy because it sounds like you kept busy while comedy, nothing was happening everywhere else in the world. Yeah, that's definitely true. We were very lucky to face very little uh covid outbreak uh because we're an island you know you can close the ports of entry pretty easily so the only thing that was really frustrating was that we still had a lot of restrictions uh despite not really having any covid so um it was sort of unexpected like when we would get uh shut down like they were still changing things all the time and we had this show planned that we had some money for. It was supposed to happen at this same theater that I've been talking about. And uh, that got postponed and it seemed like, okay, are we going to do some sort of like hybrid recorded version? And so, but, you know, it, it was stressful to like be planning shows and having to be canceled or postponed, but at least we could plan shows like it was possible that maybe we were going to plan like we did a, a a show in a bar in uh like christmas 2020 it's wild yeah mass like that, that was we were wearing masks but the here, audience was yeah like, here in the states yeah uh 
so we were we were really lucky in that way and i think that i think the fact that the four of us are such good friends as well like we I think that we, even times when we were locked down, we were still like getting on Zoom and like, you know, like having a reason to talk with your friends beyond just like you want to catch up yeah, helps you catch up. And so we would like have a little meeting, but then we'd spend an hour and a half just chatting and then half an hour about like, okay, let's talk about what sketches we're going <laughs> to do business now. <laughs> now it's the business time. And yeah, we are like the guiltiest of, of doing that of an hour of uh, <laughs> chatting and then an hour of work maybe. So how would you describe like the voice of mom's girls? Mom's girls is not afraid to be really silly like i don't think that all of our sketches have uh they're not all satire like they're not they don't all have a really strong message uh, i think that we have a a message like overall in our shows and overall as a group um you know which is to sort of push forward female and non-binary voices in the comedy community. Uh, but then like in within the same show, we'll have, you know, Andy writes these really great political sketches and like Steph is a really great parody songwriter and Allie writes these like wordplay sketches. And <laughs> I think that because we all have these really uh we all really do bring something different voice wise. Uh, I, I think that that's why it works. And I think we also have a really different acting style too. So I think, I think that that's why it works. Well, so you mentioned, you know, about Steph and parody and, you know, Andy going political and, you know, you know, wordplay with Allie, but like, so what would be your wheelhouse then since you've diagnosed those other three, is there a specific, wheelhouse talent that you bring I don't ask you would, me to talk you would... about myself <laughs> I like talking about everyone else <laughs> uh, I want them to do the sketches <laughs> uh, yeah I think that I am a, a pretty good sketch editor uh, okay. I uh, and maybe like like I have a little bit of experience with like dramaturgy for plays and I think I'm pretty good at like seeing a bigger picture and like kind of trying to like help the structure of things in terms of the sketches that I write from scratch I think that I like to write um like just looking back I don't know if I do this intentionally but I do like to write Newfoundland centric content because I think uh if we don't write it then who's gonna do it <laughs> Like, I, it's just such a unique place that, uh, you know, I really, I think that regional humor is a really great thing. Uh, and that even people not from the region will often find it funny, you know, not just in the case of Newfoundland, but just like, you know, people really like the show Letterkenny, even though maybe yeah. they've never been to Ontario. Well, so. I had said that, like, my, you know, my introduction I, you know as someone in mid to late 30s of the idea that there is like even a, a newfoundland character culture is from come from away the musical and letter kenny and shorzy 
because they both introduced right. me to that like that newfie accent and you know speech pattern that 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 apparently you have mm -hmm. yeah and but at the same time like you watch snl and tina fey pulls out like a philly character all the time and i don't think i sound mm -hmm. like that at all <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh the accent is a uh a topic of much discussion <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to really nail down my own style, I guess, to answer your question. Like, I'm not I'm not really sure. I don't think that I have a really defined voice, but uh, I, I really like to write scenes, <laughs> as maybe we've kind of already talked about. Uh, and I think I've gotten a little bit better at uh, filling the joke holes. I've never heard that phrase before, joke holes, before this week, before recording, like, with you, Newfoundlanders, like... I like it. I like joke holes. I'm I'm stealing it because I, I I'm gonna bring it to Philly. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that I think that I got that phrase from Andrew Tremblett, who I think got it from being at the Second City studying okay. in Chicago. Um, I definitely didn't make it up. I don't I, know where it came from. I just had never heard it. I like it. I I don't think I asked before. Where does the name Mom's Girls come from? Is we there a specific talked story about? Yeah, there kind of is. We talked about a name for months. Uh, we were going to be Tube Top, <laughs> which I, I still kind of mourn the loss of that name because it's really it's, fun. It's not a bad sketch county name. Yeah, it, it has that alliteration. You know, we could kind of do like a fun poster. It's kind of sexy. Yeah, it, it'd be an easy logo to make. like Easy yeah. logo. But I think what held us back from that was, well, it didn't feel right. And also like it was maybe be a little too sexy yeah um which we like to do that's definitely part of our brand um humbly <laughs> but uh we also uh the brand has kind of become bigger than the, the sketch comedy troupe and i i think that it yeah so we've like we made this uh web series for kids and we've done like some uh, grants where we went into an elementary school and like taught sketch to these like fifth graders and so we were looking for a name I think we didn't know we were going to do that stuff but I think we were looking for a name that had a, uh, a lot of range yeah and we all really love our moms and I think it's like kind of a we were thinking maybe about being like nannies girls or something like that like it's kind of like a it, it's not explicitly Newfoundland, but it kind of does have that feel to it to me. And I don't know. It, I think like the gender thing also was part of it. I don't remember exactly why, but some of those factors were in the mix. Okay. Because it's just like, yeah, I'm always curious because, I mean, there are some absolutely horrific sketch comedy names and improv. I'll throw improv in that like world too. But mm -hmm. like, so I'm always curious about where it comes from. Yeah. Uh, how has it been to collaborate with members of a team that are now currently in three different cities as you prepare to finally converge together for the first time in a couple of months to perform? Yeah, well, we do a decent amount of Zoom. We have three different group chats. We talk on iMessage, Facebook chat and Slack. That's too much. Uh, pick, <laughs> yeah, pick one. <laughs> well you know we used to do everything in facebook chat and then 
there oh, was a time. Oh, I would say Face- that- Facebook would be the one to throw away for sure. <laughs> like <laughs> there was a time that we were doing uh like a live show, this web series, like producing this show, um, at this elementary school grant, like a bunch of other things, and we were doing it all in the Facebook chat, and we were like, we need a Slack channel, like right. we keep ignoring the messages, we can't be friends because we're doing so much work together. So it's like we needed to separate our friendship from our work life that, uh, to make it. That's happen. why I would say let's you keeping iMessage and Slack sounds good to me. Like let's just Facebook chat is just awful. Facebook's canceled. <laughs> it's so so bad. Uh, but yeah. So and now you're going to come together again and perform in Toronto. Like, what is the process for you like to prepare for that? Yeah, well, we had a show over the Christmas break. Uh, so we rehearsed on Zoom and then we rehearsed in person for a week and a half for that show. And because we've been working together, the four of us for quite a few years now, I feel like we uh, are able to come together pretty quickly. And, you know, we're doing sketches at Toronto Sketch Fest that we've done before, just not in the order they've been done. It's mm. sort of, you know. I guess that's what everybody does, but yeah, like a Frankenstein sort of. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I've learned from going to a couple sketch fests before where we did new material at one and then tried and true material at another. And the tried and true material is a much better decision. Always bring your best stuff. Play the hits. Yeah. Like, I will so, tell yeah, everybody. the everybody. Allison and Steph and Andy are getting here, uh, I think, four days uh before the show and we're just gonna rehearse as much as we can and yeah we've we've had a few zoom meetings already so we're making it work this is the new way to do it i guess thank goodness for zoom yeah i think zoom is a great tool for preparation but i would never want to do a zoom show yeah i've done like i did one zoom sketch show it sounds awful. Uh, and it was very early pandemic, like I think like three or four weeks into the shutdown. And it was um well, my friend Andrew was finishing up this directing program at the Second City in Toronto. And he it was sort of his like last thing he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so we did this Zoom show because Zoom was still so new then that it was just kind of like fun that we were doing this weird <laughs> show. <laughs> but at this point i'm i'm kind of over the like hybrid uh like trying to do theater yeah through zoom i did a lot of theater through zoom over the pandemic like play readings and stuff like that play readings might be fine like actual try and perform and like because i do we do sketch readings and we do an open mic on zoom and that's okay Mm -hmm. but i want to actually want to like pretend i'm in a sketch show like with a green screen behind me trying to pretend we're all in the same location like yeah, you need to acknowledge that you're on Zoom, I think. Uh, yeah, and even that I'm over as like a concept <laughs> of, of to begin your comedy piece. Uh, I ask all the Canadians I talk to because I'm minorly obsessed. Uh, is there a piece of Canadians pop culture that an American should hunt down that they that we might not know about yet? Okay, so there's this sketch comedy troupe called Codco, which you might have heard from other members of Moms Girls um, talking about them. Um, all the people involved in that sketch comedy troupe, uh, like, really, like, created the 
theater and comedy scene that we now know in Newfoundland and in Canada too. So like there's this show called This Hour Has 22 Minutes uh, that a lot of people know about and like a lot of the members of COGCO were the people that started that show and and they had their own show um, in the 80s and early 90s and you can watch a lot of it on YouTube and uh, a lot of it is very Newfoundland centric but it's they made it for like a greater Canadian audience mm -hmm. so I think that even if you were American you would still probably find it funny because um, it's just kind of like off the wall silly and um, so like a lot of us that are doing sketch comedy now have been fortunate to like work with Mary and Greg and Andy and Kathy and yeah it's just it, it's cool to kind of have like this long running sketch tradition uh, come out of our home so i'll i'll say that as my canadian content recommendation it's on youtube c-o-d-c-o -C -O. and plug your own thing so i uh with the guys that uh i did almost famous with we just made this uh web series called jack tv and uh it's available it's gonna be available on youtube uh really soon i think maybe by the time this episode comes out it'll be there and uh oh nice yeah, it's like a really silly, it's not sketch, but it's a comedy about this guy who wants to become a reality television star. And uh, Mary Walsh, who is a Canadian comedy icon and was in Cogco, directed it, uh, and which was really awesome. So yeah, you should check it out, Jack TV. Very cool. Um, all right, as we're winding down here, I ask the same two questions, try to get a little deeper, try to get a little you know, closer to the heart of the matter, I suppose. You mentioned that you never really had like, and I don't even know if it really exists there in St. John's for the most part, but like, you know, that quote unquote comedy education, like you hadn't gone through like Second City's writing program or UCB's or whatever other, and but you've done playwriting and stuff. So what's a piece of advice that you've picked up that you would pass on to a new baby sketch writer? This is something that Robert Chafe told me uh, and it's right towards clarity, which simply, you know, pretty, it's a simple concept, but, you know, when you're looking at a large task in front of you, and like, maybe it is just like a five page sketch, if you know, one part of it, write that, don't try to like, push into like the deep muddy waters of what you like wish it could be, write the thing that you know and get that cleared up and then that will lead you into the next open transparent area that you can access uh and i think uh, the way to do that in sketch coming back to the joke holes point when i'm writing a sketch and i'm like oh feels like a good time for a laugh but i have no idea what to say but i know where i want the scene to go next i just write insert joke insert hole joke. here and i yeah. move on yeah. So then I can keep going towards clarity rather than getting stuck in this, you know, spinning my tires in the mud. You know, build the puzzle step by step, like get the story out, get the skeleton. You can fill in like organs of jokes, mm -hmm. you know, into the skeleton and finish it that way. Like I always like even if I don't have like the funny lines in this, like I think if a premise is good enough, I'll write just a quick page and a half thing just to have like the idea out on paper and I can fill, we can fill in more mm -hmm. later and flush it out and expand. I, I'm always for that for sure. 
Yeah, I think that that's where a lot of people get stuck when, especially if they're new to writing and like getting their thoughts out on paper, it's just so scary because it's like, uh, I don't even know where to begin, but it's like, just write something, even yeah, if and, it's not perfect. And it's one of those things that like, you had emailed me as we were, you know, setting this up, like, is this sketch too long? And I was like, no, because we can talk about that, where mm -hmm. a sketch is never too short. It can be too long. Like, mm -hmm. So I, I always say, start with brevity and then expand from there. Like, mm -hmm. take take those, like, first steps. Write what you can. Write what you have. We'll keep playing with it. We yeah, can always make it, it funnier. On the other side. You can, always, you can always bulk it up and make it funnier. And I think on the other side of it, if you have uh, all of these ideas and you don't know which ones to choose, write it all and then cross it out later. That's even easier. Because you can always keep those good bits and put mm -hmm. them in something else. Like, just, you know, yeah, that's perfectly great. And then finally, like, as a life as a performer working in drama for a while and being excited about new drama, being excited about new plays, becoming a, a playwright and studying that, but you also play in this world of sketch comedy why has comedy become such a huge part of your life? I love doing play workshops because of the feedback. Uh, and when you're working on something like uh, like a longer piece, like writing a play or like, you know, if you were writing a novel, you'd get like notes from your editor and then you might like never know what people think. Like they might read your book. They might have thoughts, but they might never tell you. And I love that sketch comedy lets you put yourself out there and then the audience tells you what they think in the moment and Very that's immediate. so so uh exciting and like scary in some ways but it's like instantaneous workshopping it's like the fastest way to find out <laughs> if an idea is any good and there's just something so uh great about uh seeing like <laughs> I don't know it sounds really corny but like I just like to do things that are really positive mm. and happy and I feel like uh there's a lot of things in the world that aren't that way so like if we can all just get in a room together and <laughs> I can be a silly billy and you like that like why wouldn't we do that that's so fun <laughs> you know and I think like thinking about doing plays and like why I do that it, for similar reasons but like what draws me to sketch comedy rather than just being like okay I think I'll just keep doing plays like the sketch thing was fun I think I'll just go back whatever I think that I keep doing sketch comedy because there is this room for error and for taking it to a turning up the dial all the way like I was saying earlier and and messing it all up and and everyone just loves you the same mm -hmm. you know like it's just like this really free space and that's just so great it is it, it's yeah comedy's great I don't understand <laughs> why people don't like comedy when people don't like comedy I, that that doesn't make sense Right. I don't get it either. And it's some of like the, the smartest people I know and like the smartest things I've ever watched 
have been sketch comedy a lot of the time you know like it's not yeah. that it's not digging into the deep stuff it's just doing it in a pleasant way right thanks elizabeth thank you josh Elizabeth and the rest of Moms Girls will be heading to Toronto Sketchfest for two shows. First, on Friday, March 10th, 7 p.m., with Birdie. Then Saturday, March 11th at 9 p.m., with Boy Girl Party Live. Both of the shows are at Comedy Bar, and tickets are available at torontosketchfest.com. You can follow Elizabeth on Instagram at elizabethhicks1, and Moms Girls on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at momsgirlscomedy. During our chat, Elizabeth mentioned Jack TV, a series created by Andrew Tremblett and Stuart Simpson and directed by Mary Walsh. It is now available at youtube.com slash jacktvcomedy. Here in Philly, the next Sketchy Bader on Zoom will take place Friday, March 25th at 10 p.m. Eastern. And the next live Sketchy Bader will be at Tattooed Mom on Sunday, May 7th at 2 p.m. Sketchybader.com, but we'll talk about that more later. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketchfest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.